Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ooh, baby. Back at it again. Can't stop, won't stop edition. It's the NFL Draft Bible Radio Show. It is a special all-star edition. That's right. We got recaps from the Senior Bowl. We got recaps from the East-West Shrine Game. NFL PA Collegiate Bowl on location Across the nation, nobody delivers NFL draft analysis, hard-hitting impact, scouting reports, mock drafts, rankings like we do here at the NFL Draft Bible. Check us out, NFLDraftBible.com. In case you didn't know, now you do know. It's your host, R.I.C. in the place to be, Rick Saratella. Telling it like it is when it comes to the NFL draft since 2002. It's what we do here. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible and uh, – We're going to get right into it, folks, because, you know, as you know, or you might not know, this is how we get down here on NFL Draft Bible Radio. We're on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, of course, up on the website. We're going to break it down for you. Uh, I was on location out in Pasadena at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. I have plenty of notes for you. Of course, our guy Chris Shanafelt was down at the East-West Shrine game. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Our guy Justin Gamble will join us in just a second. But first, we have the man of the hour, Joe Everett, our director of college football scouting on location down in Mobile, Alabama, just crushing it. This man is crushing it. He's got the measurables. He's got the practice reports. He's got dozens of player interviews down there in Mobile, Alabama. You can follow him at Joe W. Everett. We welcome him in on the uh, Premier Athlete Advisors hotline. Check out premierathleteadvisors.com. We welcome him into the show. Joe, how is mobile treating you, man? You getting any rest down there or what? Oh, it's the week of, week of no sleep in Mobile. So I'm, I, you, you kind of come in ready for it. Um, there's just so much uh, to do, so many players just walking around like, You'd see at a bar, you could just go up to a player and talk to him. So, yeah, it's, I'm like a kid in a candy store out here and, uh, yeah, doing interviews, getting all the uh, reports out. So it's it's been a really good year down here, and they've changed a few things, uh, you know, just media access. So uh, they're really catering to us. Uh, uh, it's one of those events that really kind of rolls out the red carpet. So it's been great. Well, that's interesting because usually when they change things, it's usually not in the favor of media. So you're saying the Senior Bowl has made some changes to benefit the media. Elaborate on that, please. Definitely post-practice. It it seems like I'm getting more access to the players. They've made it to where uh, they know we do want to get players right after the session. And uh, they're kind of coordinating areas of the field for us to to go get them. And, you know, some of the players, they may not want to be interviewed, but, you know, the guys that do, they're there for you. And um, they've also gotten rid of the handlers, the agents, and a lot of the glad handers after practice. So uh, people with a lanyard running around on that field are just a little bit more of a a precise pecking order now to where it's it's actual media that really want to get an interview with these guys and uh, kind of put their names out there. Whereas, you know, in the past it's been this agent or that agent or that handler say, hey, you did great, you did great, and they'll just sit there and rap at them for like 15 minutes straight, which is really doing the prospect not that much good in an event that they're supposed to be promoting themselves. Yeah, everybody's got an angle, and, you know, they'll talk a player's ear off to death. So uh, he's Joe Everett. I'm Rick Saratella. We'll be joined by Justin Gamble in just a second. Of course, Joe's on location down in Mobile, uh, you know, closing down the bars, opening up the breakfast buffets, and doing player interviews (laughs) and scouting in between. So, uh, Joe, I mean, uh, of course, up on the website, NFLDraftBible.com, we have a bunch of your player interviews. I got to ask you, you know, who's been the uh, best interview of the bunch so far this week? Well, it's tough to beat Adam Brenneman, the Massachusetts tight end and with the politics he's done and the experience he has in that field, you almost wind him up like a toy and then set him on his way. Uh, he he was such uh, uh, just a, 
polished kind of uh, prospect in the in the sense that he's got all the answers and he really is a guy that wanted to talk. So that was about the easiest interview I'd have to say I did all week just because, uh, yeah, he was uh, engaging, but he's also, you can tell, he's highly intelligent. And unfortunately for the folks, he's uh, both the tight ends, Dallas Goddard and Adam Brenneman, left right after the first practice. So they were uh, injuries, and that's why uh, Dion Yelder from Western Kentucky is down here as a replacement. So we uh, lost Goddard and uh, Brenneman for the week, but Brenneman, what? Uh, Great interview. Uh, he was doing very well for himself. A little hamstring injury, but yeah, he was uh, an excellent interview. And then it's a great tight end group down here. And Durham Smythe. Boy, I, well, now I will have to fess up. I'm a Notre Dame fan. I've uh, been watching Notre Dame uh, football since I was a kid. So uh, I wanted to talk to Durham Smythe, being that he's uh, the only fighting Irish down here, and uh, had a pretty lengthy interview with him and just a good talk. So he was uh, he was a really good interview, uh, just a really good kid. You know, uh, the irony of Adam Brenneman, not to not to pile on the the uh, dumpster fire, but, I mean, geez, the kid comes down to the senior bowl and gets injured. Uh, why am I not surprised here, Joe? I mean, <laughs> if anybody's yeah. medical check at the Combine in Indianapolis is going to be more important than this kid's, I find it hard to believe. I mean, is it possible this kid is so talented? I just feel like the the history of injuries and the medical report, he might he may even go undrafted. Yes, the the gruesome knee injury that forced a retirement and now having trouble staying healthy and he didn't play all the games last year as a senior at UMass either. So the medical is going to be huge for him in Indianapolis and also the questioning and motivation. And, you know, you did retire. You, you took those years off. And what what, what exactly were you? Where Were you in the place and, and in your head? I think that's going to be another question. It's why did your high school quarterback have to coax you uh, back into playing at, at UMass? You know, Andrew Ford, who he, he was uh, high school buddies with. It's He was the one that said, hey, Mark Whipple's running this pro-style offense. I think it'd be great for you. We don't have a tight end. You know, uh, why did it have to come to that, I guess? I think that's going to be a common question he's going to get in the interview process that, you know, we we want guys that follows all they all they know, all they want. And uh, Brenneman clearly has some other aspirations. But I will have to say, uh, asking him about politics, he was like, boy, that's a cutthroat field too. So it didn't sound like he's ready to jump back in the political scene. Yeah, he got a little taste of it with that internship and now is uh, maybe having second thoughts. But, uh, you know, we're talking to Joe Everett on location, Mobile, Alabama, at the 2018 Reese's Senior Bowl. Rick Saratella here, Justin Gamble, will be joining us shortly. So, Joe, one of my favorite things about the All-Star events are where – Scouts like to see players, and a lot of times, you know, these players will get requests by scouts. Hey, can you kick them inside? Hey, can you move them over here? Hey, can I see Hassan Redick at inside linebacker? I know, you know, from the coverage at home, I know from your interview with Mason Cole, he's been uh, playing different multiple positions. It looks like uh, Shaquem Griffin is a guy that, you know, along with a couple other of those edge rushers might play uh, 43 N might play 34 backer might play inside backer. Uh, who are some of the guys that you've seen, you know, kind of play different positions or, or kind of stood out to you in terms of, you know, Shaquem Griffin explosive quickness. I'm not sure he has the strength to be a pass rusher at the next level. He might be a guy that I would play at inside linebacker personally. Uh, what were some of the ob- observations throughout the week that you took away? Well, I, I think there's a couple that we kind of expected, and uh, uh, Shaquem Griffin's definitely won. And by the way, last night he won the practice player of the week overall. So uh, that award given out by the Senior Bowl, it's a pretty big honor, and I think that's why. Lining up everywhere, taking all the coaching, and we knew he was a great kid coming in, and he just proved that uh, smile on his face ear to ear every second, every minute of the day. And that's, uh, I, I don't know what else you could say about that. That Griffin, he's uh, he's a heck of a prospect, and then another guy. How does he guy, not have I, I a combine we... invite, Joe? How does he not have a combine invite? Isn't that just disrespectful? I think it is. Uh, I mean, basically, on what tape he has, if you know, if it weren't for this uh, unfortunate deformity, like that, that is 
what's holding him back. I mean, because what we have uh, from his game footage is a guy that can play a number of different positions that runs all over the field, plays with his hair on fire. And really uh, from this week and as well as the end of last year, especially in that bowl game, uh, he has real spring off the edge to be a situational pass rusher. And I mean, I, Every year those combine lists are put together and, and there's real uh, head scratchers. That's one. And I think sometimes you have to wonder these teams, they don't uh, – I don't think this is the case. They'll they'll often try and hide somebody. Like, oh, we're not going to put him on the list. And then, you know, when we get asked about it, it's, oh, who? Yet they'll, they'll still draft him in their top 100. So I, I don't know if they're playing games here with Griffin. But, yeah, I think it's disrespect, Gree, and he deserves an invite because he's going to test well on some things. I would love to know what his three-cone is because he kicks so low, he bends so well, and uh, I, I think it's clear he's got great foot speed. So, yeah, it, he's uh, he's done a, a great week, and he's been all over the field. And another guy, I think, uh, Dimitri Flowers, He's also been doing a lot of H-back. I think we knew it coming in. He would play some fullback, and they flexed him out a little bit. But uh, the one that was really interesting was our, our uh, UTSA in. Marcus Davenport played some coverage. They got him uh, doing some linebacker drills, and uh, that was uh, really kind of eye-opening uh, just to see the big man move, try and backpedal. Uh, it, I'm not going to say he looked 100 out there, but uh, they definitely wanted to get him out. Uh, something else besides just rushing the passer, just to see uh, what kind of range he has and, and how he's able to get back to the second level and, instead of just you know pinning his ears back all the time. Yeah, Marcus Davenport and I think Willie Hernandez, the UTEP kid, have really made themselves a lot of money this week. And, you know, Davenport, I don't care where you put him. You want to put him uh, – you want to throw him out there at outside linebacker. We saw Mario Williams do it. This kid can do it too. You want to play him with his hand in the dirt, he can do that too. You want to move him on the inside, on the interior, he could do that too. Uh, Marcus Davenport, for me, I have no problem selecting this kid with a top 20 overall pick. Uh, all day, every day, and, you know, uh, I'll even make a bold statement of the day. Maybe Marcus Davenport is the top-rated senior prospect in this year's draft class, and with that being said, we welcome in the king of the hot takes, uh, Justin Gamble, our co-director of college football scouting, joining us here on NFL Draft Bible Radio, along with Joe Everett and Rick Saratella, jam-packed show, and uh, Justin, we'll just interject you into the conversation right now with uh, Marcus Davenport. Uh, how high can this guy's draft stock rate rise? Well, I mean, you look at the guy's traits alone and just, I mean, the length and the motor and the bend. I mean, if he doesn't play for UTSA, we might be talking about a first overall pick. Um, you know, the coaching down there, I, I don't know a lot about their coaching staff. I don't know a lot about their program, if I'm going to be honest with you. But, you know, you have to think, if he's at a D1 school or a big D1 school, a Power 5 school, and, you know, get some, you know, really good coaching and, you know, they, they developed those traits over the years. And, um, you know, he kind of had more of a plan of attack and a more polished game what would stop a team from looking at this kid and banking on his upside and saying, we will take him, you know, with the top pick. Cause as a pure athlete and specimen, he's the, he's a Greek God. He's what you would draw up in a lab if you could. So, I mean, I still think they, you know, everyone said he kind of had a rough week of practice this week or, you know, rough senior bowl. He didn't look great with his hand in the dirt, but I mean, is that going to stop a team from saying, Hey, we, we know what kind of coaching he got. We know what kind of coaching we can give him. And this guy could turn into a monster. I mean, I think he's a much better prospect coming out than Ezekiel Anza coming out of BYU, and he was as raw as they come. And the Lions banked on his upside and took him, and he's turned into a fine pass rusher. Um, and I think Davenport has a higher ceiling, and he might be better. He's a better player coming out. So top ten, I think it's not you know not impossible. Top five, we'll see, because honestly, if you compare on paper him and Chubb just – their athleticism and their side, what they're able to do pure athletically, I think he's got Chubb beat. Well, you know, that was going to be my next question. I'll keep it right here with you, Justin. Uh, I was going to say, you know, Marcus Davenport, I, I would even put him ahead of Derek Barnett if he was in last year's draft class, and Barnett went relatively high. So, Justin, let me ask you this. If if Marcus Davenport was coming out last year, uh, you know, how would he rank in terms of these 
you know, edge rushers or these 43 defensive ends that we see? I don't think he'd be ahead of Miles Garrett, you know, by any means. Um, having a hard time remembering who else was there. But um, Barnett didn't really have the traits that I think I would look for, at least. I mean, he wasn't an explosive get-off type of guy. He was kind of a snap jumper. He wasn't all, you know, he wasn't really a speed to power. He wasn't really a speed. He was kind of like, I'll beat you because I timed the snap right. I have decent bend, and I'm better with my hands. But I don't think his ceiling is even half as high as Davenport's. I, th- I think if I'm looking at those two, I might say Barnett might give me more year one, but year two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, Davenport's got this guy beat. So, you know, not ahead of Miles Garrett by any means, but right behind that, possibly. Joe, quickly, your thoughts on where Davenport would rank in last year's draft class, uh, Tack McKinley, Another guy, uh, yeah. Solomon Thomas, almost with the same exact measurables. Well, maybe not the height, but uh, how, how do you see Davenport stacking up if he was in last year's draft class? And I wasn't uh, as big a fan as Solomon Thomas, so I might even take him ahead of him, but that's just my wackadoo draft board. Uh, I kind of agree with Justin there. I'd have him above Barnett. And those guys that was uh, in the teens, there's that run started last year, Derek Barnett, and then went John Allen, and then in the 20s, Tack McKinley and Taco Charlton to wrap up the first round. So I think I'd take Davenport over all those guys as far as the upside. Uh, Tack McKinley's played pretty well for the Falcons, especially turning on at the end there. But John Allen, I think that, that, that Davenport's upside is much better greater and I am a Derek Barnett fan so this is difficult to say guys but Davenport I think does have that higher ceiling uh, just a potential blow up and that just that wingspan he's got and kind of getting to see him in interviews I didn't wasn't able to get a solo one with him because he is a hot prospect but just that uh, intrigue he's got I think he took like 18 credit hours just to graduate on time to make sure he doesn't even have to worry about this after the draft, draft process so uh, definitely not a dummy by any sense, and uh, yeah, I, I, I love what I've seen. I, I'd like to, you know, there's a few drills he didn't win. I'm not going to say he had the greatest week of all, but if you're ranking prospects that are here, non-QB prospects, uh, Davenport's right up there with Goddard uh, if I had to rank these non-QBs. Yeah, you know, I was a big fan of Barnett coming out. I would take Davenport over him. Jonathan Allen, I mean, this guy had incredible film last year. And the fact that we're even talking about, you know, UTSA in the same sentence as Alabama just goes to show you uh, what Marcus Davenport has done for his draft stock now. We've got Joe Everett on location down at the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl down there in Mobile, Alabama. Justin Gamble on the hotline along with Rick Saratella. Uh, here on location at Parabolic Performance and Rehab Headquarters in Manalapan, New Jersey, home of the largest training facility on the East Coast. Check us out, goparabolic.com. Gentlemen, we've got a really free-flowing show. Uh, It's an open roundtable discussion. We really haven't even gotten uh, into our winners yet this week, but uh, you mentioned quarterback prospects. Obviously, everybody wants to talk quarterbacks, and the Denver Broncos, uh, you know, Phil Savage loading loading them up with the quarterbacks there, Joe. Uh, Josh Allen stacking Baker Mayfield on the same squad as Tanner Lee and I think Luke Falk. So uh, what has been your impression in terms of quarterbacks thus far? It's the Baker show. Uh, he's been uh, clearly the best quarterback here. And I'll just start with Josh Allen, actually. Uh, he's given off tickets to the gun show. There's no doubt he's got a howitzer, and you love his size, but the accuracy has cropped back up. I mean, there's a reason the, the, the percentages are as low as they have been over his career. Uh, there's just skeleton drills, and sometimes just the seven, on, not even seven on seven, like they're just going against air, and he's missing some receivers. There was one, a crosser in the end zone. They're doing red zone against air. Alan Lazard's crossing. He overthrew Alan Lazard into the stands, and it's like, dude, Alan Lazard's six foot five plus. That's a big old receiver. I don't. There's definitely some placement and touch issues with Alan because you know he can make those throws, and I don't know if it's jitters, I don't know what it is, but if it's a big regular season game to qualify for the playoffs, maybe the same thing happens. So uh, 
I think there's some worries with Allen and exactly where he's, he's locating these receivers. And maybe a great QB coach could uh, uh, work with them and polish that up. But I'm, I have my doubts, whereas Baker has been on point. He arrived late. He got out of an Uber uh, right before the first practice and just started throwing ropes. I mean, I'm not going to say every pass has been perfect, but uh, he looks like the real deal. And not only that, just the intangible stuff. He's going through all the drills. He's high-fiving his receivers after they catch. He's making sure people are okay after they're hurt. He's just uh, he's getting everybody jacked up in the huddle. Like it's it's happening. What happened and what we saw at Oklahoma is happening down here in Mobile. So uh, I think he's really putting on a good show, uh, just even outside the field and and what he his little world is. I think a lot of people are really kind of just. You know, what we always see, the great quarterbacks, people gravitate to them. They tell that story about Deshaun Watson going into the Texans building. He just goes in solo to the cafeteria, and the whole team sits around him wanting to talk to him, wanting to hang with him. And Bill O'Brien's like, yeah, this guy's the man. I might want to get him. <laughs> like, that's the same thing with Baker, dude. Uh, people definitely just gravitate toward him. They know there's a real QB in town. And, uh, yeah, he's been head and shoulders for me uh that really, I'll be honest though, Tanner Lee, I I, I had very serious concerns. I'm not a, his biggest supporter, but I thought he's had a pretty decent week. Um, he's got a lot of arm strength to him, and he's just kind of forced his hand. You know, Scott Frost coming into town, he wouldn't fit that offense, and uh, you know maybe take advantage of some hype he's got. But I thought for what he is. He has done very well for himself. So shout out to Tanner Lee. But, yeah, it's just uh, this is the Mayfield show out here, and uh, I'm just hoping he plays the game. There's some rumors he may go back home. Uh, I think he's got a sick mom, and that's why he was late to the event. So we'll see if he actually plays in the game. But I think he's done enough this week to really not only escalate his stock, but I think solidify some of the beliefs we've had about him that he is the uh, that, that alpha dog. And uh, players know it, coaches know it, and the, and the other team, they're going to know it real soon, too. Yeah, uh, Tanner Lee, the the gym shorts and T-shirt king, uh, looks all good <laughs> against the air. You know, he did the same thing at the Manning pa- Passing Academy that led to a lot of that preseason hype because he was the best-looking quarterback down at the Manning Academy. But a um, couple things before I go over to Justin. First off, uh, you mentioned Josh Allen and your concerns there, Joe. On the Joe Everett big board, when do you start thinking about Josh Allen if you're a QB needy team? I'm, he's still going to be a first-rounder, but I just do it late. I, I'm, I'm going to try and trade down and see, and if I don't get him, it's not the end of the world. Uh, I'm worried, though. You know, that, that just as you mentioned, Rick, that the North team, it's coached by the Broncos. They feed these quarterbacks in them. John Elway has loved these big, supersized mobile quarterbacks. And that's what Josh Allen, he fits that bill, and they're sitting there at number five. So I, I definitely worry that, that uh, the Broncos might be looking hard at him, and I'm hoping this week has been a eye-opening experience for them. You know, just to say this, this player might not be exactly what we want and – the biggest fear is that he's Paxton Lynch part two. Uh, I don't think they want any piece of that. So I'm, I would put him outside of the top ten guys. I just, I can't take a risk on a guy that's what a career 56 percent completion. I just, that that scares me. Well, yeah. Let me pick up right there. And you know, Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch haven't worked out thus far for the Broncos. But Justin, over to you. I came across an interesting stat. I don't know if you've seen it. And I'm not a big, I'm not a big uh, statistical person when it comes to the NFL draft. But there, you know, I would tell you that history is not on Josh Allen's side. And Bill Parcells was a big believer. He had you know certain criteria for quarterbacks, and you know one of them was completion percentage. And you know, does he complete a high amount of passes? Obviously, Josh Allen does not check off the box there. Uh, does he have starting experience? Yes, obviously he does have starting experience. Does he have a winning record? Um, you could argue that, you know, maybe not a winning record. Um, and then also the other criteria is, what you know, what's his stats against top 25 competition? And Josh Allen's is terrible. But the stat that I came across that really bothers me the most 
in the history of the NFL, there's nine QBs who have, you know, who have started an NFL game and their career collegiate completion percentage was under 60%. The list includes, yeah, the list includes these nine quarterbacks, Trevor Simeon, Matt Little, Cleo Lemon, Mike McMahon, Sage Rosenfels, Josh McCown, Kyle Bowler, Trent Edwards, and Jake Locker. Those are your nine QBs. So, again, I'm not a big believer in statistical evidence, but like I said, history, my man, is not on Josh Allen's side. And and Justin, I don't know about you, but I think he is going to be fighting an uphill climb when he transitions to the next level. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, that 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 saddle. You, you know me. When we've talked about this many times, you know, over some beers late at night at the combine and at the CGS about how certain stats we just don't place a huge value on. But I mean, that is tough to argue with. But here's the thing that I think is my, and it's not even my argument for Josh Allen. It's just maybe for certain players in general and the NFL, and it's that. You know, each year that goes by, we see more and more with new offensive coordinators coming in and new coaching staffs and new minds coming into the NFL that it's no longer – the NFL is no longer a cookie cutter. You know, each team is developing offenses vastly different from the next, and it's meant to fit their quarterback. I mean, we saw what Bill O'Brien did last year with Deshaun Watson. Um, We saw what McVay did with Goff this year, um, what Peterson's doing with Wentz. And it's like these guys can go from absolute dog crap to where they look like undraftable players to now Wentz looks like an MVP. Goff looks like he might turn into the next, you know, Eli Manning type where he can maybe not carry a team, but he can be, you know, he can steer and drive at the same time, you know, and the guys just have to kind of push the call, you know, whatever. But it's like, Allen has a skill set that you just can't overlook. I mean, his accuracy on the run, his size, his toughness, his strength in the pocket, um, the mobility he has. I mean, he's, I wouldn't even say an underrated athlete. This dude is crazy athletic. I don't want to compare him to Cam Newton because Cam was just another animal altogether. But, I mean, is he that far off from Cam Newton? Look at Cam Newton coming out of Auburn, and he could barely throw the football. I mean, he could throw it, but it was so awful. You know, some of his throws were just, it was either the easiest thing you've ever seen or it might not be complete. And he was running all the time. I mean, I think you got to think if Allen goes to a, an offensive coordinator that embraces his skill set, embraces his mobility, his size, his, the things he can do on the run, the things he can do to stretch the field, if you get him comfortable. Um, cause it, to me, it looks like when he's down, he's not the senior bowl right now. It looks like he thinks a lot. He's one of those guys that thinks a lot. And it's why when they're on air, he's missing people because he's a reactor. In the games, it's like he, he snaps the ball, drops back, and he's, really, he's, he's a reactive athlete. And when you give him all the time in the world and no defenders, he's staring down that open receiver and he's overthinking it. Um, and I think, you know, guys like that, he, they're going to look bad in short sometimes. He's just thinking too much. He's just simply thinking too much. And I, I, if you get him with an offensive coordinator that embraces his skill set and gets him comfortable and gets him confident, you're going to get a really good player. You just have to give him an offense that works for him. Because Deshaun Watson, even on tape, I saw him struggle so many times last year. But O'Brien started doing a great job of eliminating the middle of the field reads, eliminating um, certain keys for the defense to look at. Uh, you know, using the run game, using the mobility against the defense, using certain things that would just help Watson to, a, you know, a huge extent. And I think that's what you have to do with Allen. We assume because he's this big white dude that has a rocket arm, he's the next – he needs help. You know, we can't assume he's Peyton Manning or any other guys before him. He needs help. He's not the perfect prospect we wanted. He needs a lot of scheme help. He needs a lot of coaching help. But that's not a bad thing because he still has the skill set to dominate in the NFL. And if it doesn't work out, the XFL will be launching in 2020. Um, so, <laughs> a, um, Justin, sticking with you, <laughs> what, um, what, is, what is your take on where these guys stack 
in terms of, you know, last year we had three quarterbacks going in the first round, Trubisky, Watson, and Mahomes. Where would you see – I mean, I think Josh Allen probably goes ahead of Kaiser. Where would you see uh, – and throw Baker Mayfield in the equation. Where would you see Mayfield and Allen going if they were coming out in last year's draft class? And a lot of people thought Allen might have been the number one overall pick last year, which is crazy. I think Mayfield would go behind Trubisky. I think Trubisky would still go first. Um, and I think Mayfield would probably come off the board after him before Watson because, in my opinion, Mayfield is – far superior to anything Watson is uh, as a passer <clears throat> as a just a field general I think there's no com- there's no comparison for me Watson was kind of running I studied their offense a lot this year um, you know on the all 22 I studied uh, what they tried to do with Bryant and it's not a whole lot different from what they tried to do with Watson last year and it's very snap the ball get it out on time there's a lot of simplified reads the progressions are clean it's, you know, you can kind of have a robot playing quarterback, and I don't want to say that, uh, you know, like make it sound like Watson's terrible, but it was very scripted. It was a very scripted offense. Um, Mayfield can do things that Watson just never could and probably never will. Um, and then when you compare, you know, Mayfield to Mahomes, Mahomes was all over the place, and he was doing things on tape that were baffling from a positive standpoint and a negative. You just never knew where his mind was at pre or post snap but his physical ability was off the charts. Well, Mayfield, I think Mayfield has a live arm, and he's got natural accuracy. He doesn't overthink. He's, I mean, we've seen that at the senior bowl. The guy just gets out there and slings rockets all over the field. He's not, you know, he's never in his own head, and that's what I think is amazing about him, that he's such a good leader, and he's never in his own head. And, you know, the things he's done at Oklahoma – Absolutely, the, the improvement he's made at Oklahoma is amazing. He's going to have to complete a lot tougher throws than he did at Oklahoma. He's going to have to, you know, learn. There's going to be that learning curve for him, but I think overall he's right behind Trubisky. And I think a team would probably still bank on Allen over Watson and Mahomes. There's something about him that I think is too intriguing. The overall package of the height, weight, speed, athleticism, arm strength. I think Allen would probably still go before Watson and Mahomes. I'm not saying I agree with that. But I think that there's that possibility that, you know, teams are going to fall in love with that skill set and the height and the arm and everything. Very interesting. That would put him in the top 10 equation. And uh, we could probably spend an entire podcast just on quarterbacks. And I know we have some other guys to talk about. But, Joe, every year there's a handful of quarterbacks who go in the mid-rounds that wind up starting for teams. Uh, C.J. Beathard did a pretty solid job for San Fran until the Jimmy Garoppolo show. Uh, third-round pick. Uh, you also saw Nathan Peterman get a start there. We saw that debacle go down, but he was a fifth-round guy. Um, all the attention has been placed on Allen and, and Baker Mayfield, Joe, but uh, there's a couple other good quarterbacks down in Mobile and Preston as well. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I really like Mike White, uh, what I've seen. Uh, he's got instant chemistry with receivers uh, and just a smooth, delivery that guy's a real cool customer out there and i think it it's almost by default i mean he's pretty much the best quarterback on the south roster I, i've liked binkert i mean the guy can play there's there's no question in that it's just uh the difference in over top release height um deep ball accuracy it's uh white's just a natural uh, and I'm, I'm hoping it's not just the second case of brandon dowdy and goes in the seventh round because i'd love to see this guy get a chance to start you know started at south florida there and really has worked his way in the system and what jeff jeff brahm's done uh, with these qbs i think he definitely deserves a chance but yeah if there's another quarterback to talk about it'd be white and then the rest of that roster i mean we've had the verdict on this fellow uh, silvers the only reason Silvers from Troy is here. Is he's originally from Mobile, I believe, and they're they're just getting those extra quarterbacks to make sure in case someone bows out, you know that the, they'll have an extra. But um, yeah, I don't know why he's here. <laughs> and uh, Lauletta, the, the the fellow we've played, uh, we've talked about preseason, and uh, you know, were it not for a, a knee injury in his junior year, things may have been a lot different for Kyle. But uh, I, I, he's really looked well. Uh, done some nice things out here, shown the mobility, uh, really throws well on the run, and 
I think that's just as far as that South team, those are the best you've got on that squad. But yeah, when we get to game day, the, the difference in quarterbacks should be so noticeable. It's a, it's just a little tilted to that North side. So, but I think, yeah, if you're looking for another quarterback that really is the, put some good footage out there, it's gotta be Mike White. Um, yeah. Cat and cool out there. Yeah, definitely like what uh, Mike White did. I thought Kyle Laletta was handling his own. And, you know, hey, Brandon Silvers, we got to get him warmed up and used to holding the clipboard. So, you know, that's his job. And, uh, you know, he's got to get used to that mode. So, all right, uh, Rick Saratella, Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, breaking it down, a special all-star edition. Uh, Joe on location at the Senior Bowl. And, uh, Justin, any thoughts? Did any other quarterback stand out to you? Any guys that you thought – uh, made themselves some money or any any possible day two selections from the quarterback position? Yikes. From what I was thinking, you know, from what I was watching so far down here is the two guys we've already talked about, Tanner Lee, who I don't think will be a day two. I think he'll be a day three guy, but I think he's definitely helped himself. Um, he's thrown – I know he threw an interception to a, you know into his own coverage where the guy was just standing there and he threw it to the defender. But overall, I think – the mobility he's shown and, you know, the arm strength, the ability to attack, attack man coverage has been great. And then Mike White, Joe said that when you watch him on tape, he's just a natural. It doesn't really – there's no part of his game where you're like, ooh, that's, that's rough, or he's thinking about that too much. You know, it just flows. The game just flows. When they snap the ball to him, you kind of, it's just like butter, watching him from snap to release. Everything just happens so nice and easily. And, you know, the NFL draft is an auction where it's like these, you have to spend the least amount of money you can or the least pick you can on a guy. That, you know, that's the whole point of the draft. And I think Mike White is that guy that you can't take high, but he could develop into a starter in the NFL. Um, but, you know, the traits, obviously, and, you know, he's competing with some really gifted guys that are going to go before him. But he might end up um, he might end up a starter in the NFL. He, he's a natural. Yeah, I, I wouldn't surprise I wouldn't be surprised if he outperforms some of the quarterbacks selected ahead of him simply due to the fact that, you know, there's not going to be that pressure for him to step in and start immediately. He he may actually get a chance to, to develop a couple years on the bench. Um, we're about 35 minutes into the show, and we haven't gotten to our moneymakers yet, so uh, we're going to talk about risers at the Senior Bowl. And uh, since Joe Everett is on location, we'll start with you, Joe. I'm sure you have – a laundry list of players, but who were some of the money makers that you saw down there in your opinion? Uh, well, I think uh, some of the quarterbacks, clearly uh, the wide receiver, James Washington, he did nothing to uh, affect his style. I think he just strengthened and solidified his case as the best receiver here. But uh, Nathan Shepard, Fort Hay State, uh, that guy, I, I even told his mom, who's down here at the event, I can hear people being hit by your son. He's like audibly a louder sound when he strikes someone. I think he's been a nightmare for offensive linemen and one-on-ones. Uh, his hands are so strong. It just has these rip moves that are so violent. Uh, he dominated. And, in fact, on day two, only one time he didn't get pushed back, and that was when they were working on double teams with the linemen. So you get the double team stack and then exchange to the linebacker at the second level, and that is the only time Shepard got moved out of his uh, his stance. It was um, just a display of raw power, and that kid has made himself some money. I mean, he just beat up Cole Madison on one rep, and Will Hernandez, the UTEP guard, is uh, one of the finest in technique, coached by Sean Kugler, a former offensive lineman in the NFL. So this is a great matchup for him. And, I mean, he just ripped his tits off. It was unreal. Like, this Nathan Shepard is, uh, I, I think he's really solidified himself as a potential top 100 pick. Uh, the, just a, I, I couldn't say anything uh, higher than that. And I think that's a player, you know, we're going to get to draft day and maybe it's the third round or something. He goes off the board. I'm pretty sure every GM out there is going to take a collective groan because we thought we could sneak him in. And there's, I think there's just going to, not going to be any sneaking with Nathan Shepard anymore. He is a real defensive tackle in the NFL, and I, I see a 10-plus year pro when I'm watching him play. So that's uh, I can't speak highly enough for him. And then this may sound strange, fellas, but Dallas Goddard played here for about 15 minutes. 
it was an awesome 15 minutes. He could not be covered. He's just displayed what he is. He's just that big, long kid, ultra-competitive, the former walk-on. He's got a chip on his shoulder the size of a vacuum cleaner, and it's never going away. He wants to prove himself every single second of the day, and that showed off. Um, he just locates the ball so well. He runs so well for a big tight end. And, I'm, you know, we've been saying it all off-season long, like, the footage we saw of Goddard compared to the footage we saw of Adam Shaheen, like, I think this is a head and shoulders uh, prospect above what Shaheen could do, especially on the receiving level. Uh, Goddard is a guy who's going to get in day one and change a passing game. I mean, he. No, I'm not going to say he's going to be a focal point, but that is a great weapon to add to any offense that uh, needs a tight end. You know, Seattle, getting rid of Jimmy Graham, they need to think about uh, a really move tight end that they could flex like that that won't, you know, cost nearly as much. But I don't know. Goddard may have played himself into the first round. Uh, we'll see what happens at the combine. But even though he left with a hamstring injury early in this event, there is there's no question in my mind people know what he is and what he can do. And just in, I don't know how long he lasted in the first practice. I saw at least four catches to where it's like, yeah, he's the best tight end here. And there's just no questioning that. Uh, so I think Goddard did well for himself, just, you know, showing up, looked great at the weigh-in, and that's kind of what this is. It's a meat market. They want to see what you got. And so, yeah, he made money. And then I'll close it out. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton. I'm sure you guys have seen the clips. It's real. It's not just what's on TV. What's It's happening in real life. He's getting open and uh, he's catching everything much more consistent than he was at the Shrine uh, from what I've been told. So uh, that's a guy that not only got the invite and, and ascended to the next All-Star event, he took his game up to the next level too. And that is what I think really shows out to teams that, hey, this kid – he wants it real bad. The the change of direction he is capable of, not just in his routes. I mean, he's making some DBs look silly out there. There's no doubt. But even in the drills, they're doing those cones in a in a box drill and just having to make 90 degree turns. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton make Braxton Berrios look like a bad route runner. I mean, it, that's how sharp he was. Uh, he is capable of such great. Uh, stops and starts and just excellent feet out there. And he really put the hands together this week to make it the whole package. So uh, Deshaun Hamilton from Penn State, I think there's no doubt he put himself up there. And I know I said it was done, but I'm throwing in Trey Williams Auburn too. Uh, he's just really, I didn't know he was this good a pass rusher. You, you knew he could play. You knew he could tackle, but he's been running so well. They've been having him do a lot of different things. And yeah, Trey Williams, uh, I think he was a star day one, and he's done nothing wrong in day two and three. I would expect him to make a lot of tackles in the game. And, you know, Joe Everett has been cranking out the uh, practice recap reports up on the NFLDraftBible.com. If you want more hard-hitting analysis like that, there's just dozens and dozens of players that he's broken down throughout the week. NFLDraftBible.com. Can't stop, won't stop coverage. We've got player interviews, measurements, and everything you need to know from Mobile Alabama. Now, Justin, uh, you heard Joe say uh, Deshaun Hamilton from St. Petersburg to Mobile. I think uh, the next stop for him in his near future is going to be Indianapolis. Uh, Dallas Goder, the GOAT, he's taken him uh, over Mike Gusecki from Penn State, over Nine Finger Fumagalli from Wisconsin. Uh, any thoughts on what Joe said, and who are some of the moneymakers that you saw, uh, in your opinion, Justin? No, I like that, man. I think Goddard is a much more functional, um, you know, well-put-together athlete than Gesicki and Fumagalli. Those guys, on tape especially, Gesicki kind of runs like an old dad. It's like skinny legs, and it kind of takes a while. It's herky-jerky. I think Goddard is just so much more fluid and natural that, you know, he can do things in space. He can do things when it's tight. He, he just does it better in every way you know there's it's, it's much harder to cover him same with Fumagalli Fumagalli I think it's a lot slower than Goddard um yeah I agree with what Joe said completely um and then yeah Nathan Shepard shame that he went down with that broken hand or had to sit out but he from what I heard from everybody there he was tearing it up um and then some other guys that I saw and then I people I've spoken to that are down there as well um that made some money Kaiser White from West Virginia the uh safety he, he's a little limited deep 
maybe a little limited athletically as far as, you know, if you want him at your free safety. But if you're talking a guy that's, you know, maybe going to play some nickel, cover the slot, be strong safety blitz, kind of a, in a Mika Fitzpatrick role from what they've asked him to do, um, you know, he's been grabbing interceptions, squaring dudes up in drills, running sideline to sideline, making tackles, showing off kind of the fire and the physicality. Strong safety, needy teams got to look at this kid. And I don't think he's a first-rounder, but, you know, day two, definite landing spot for Kaiser White. He's got the size. He's got the He's got everything you'd look for. Um, and, and I know it's always intriguing to think about, you know, who you want to take day one, but strong safety especially. you can. The NFL has shown that you can get some of these guys day two, even day three, and they're going to make huge, huge impacts on your team, and I think he's that guy. Um, receivers, DJ Chark the speed that this dude has at 6-2. And, uh, you know, he's a hands catcher, too. He's not Darius Hayward Bay from what I, how, I don't know how many years ago. And this dude can catch. He can run the full route tree. He's a little – Lance Zerline described him as a little spindly. He's kind of upright, kind of I – don't, I don't even know how to describe his legs, but they're kind of skinny and funny when he runs. But you can't mess with 4-3 speed at 6-2. And we saw him stacking and getting behind corners just so easily down there. So I think, you know, teams looking for a deep threat that also have, that also is a guy that has, you know, experience running the full route tree like he did at LSU. This is a, this is a potential day two guy that could change an offense because he's going to stress the field and demand safety help every single snap. So I, I think he definitely made himself some money. I know he was on some teams radars, but I think he, he showed it in person you know, in a, in a good environment, a good setting this week. And then Braxton Berrios, I like that he can play slot. He can get himself open underneath with quick feet, quick, you know, quick hands to reach out and snatch that ball. But I'm curious to see what he runs at Indy because I think he's a guy that has a little more juice than we think. I mean, he's quickly labeled a slot guy, which I think that's where he'll be no matter what. But if he runs in the four fours, that's going to help his draft stock a lot because at Miami a few times, or quite a few times, you see this guy stretch the seam or even, you know, run a corner route from the slot, and he's burning corners and safeties. And, and it looks like he could potentially hit the 4-4s. And I think that would make him a lot of money because he's not just your typical 4-6 slot guy. This dude can actually stretch the field. And he looks, you know, down in Mobile from what I've seen, he looks like a guy who, you know, might have a little more deep speed than we think. And that that's kind of intriguing for, you know, a lot of teams looking at the slot. And then, Joe or Rick, I know you're going to hate me, but Kamoko Toure from Rutgers. Uh, I've talked to another bunch of people that are saying this guy is so intriguing with the the raw tools that he has and the ability, you know, the the ability to bend the edge and get off the ball and play with his hair on fire and use that length. There's going to be a team that's going to fall in love with him as a situational rusher and potential upside, you know, to be more. Maybe they're starting outside linebacker in a three four. But I, I've liked him on tape for a few years. I know he couldn't figure it out at Rutgers, but he gets in the NFL and gets with a coaching staff that can figure out what's going on, with how he's wired. He might be an Alden Smith type of guy. <laughs> hey, you know what? You can have the Kamoko Dragon, and uh, you know, I, know. I usually uh, I usually <laughs> tout the, the the horn for my Rutgers guys. But I mean, listen, go watch the film. The guy can't play football. We all knew he was an athlete. <laughs> Maybe he's a special teams guy. I get it. Uh, you, you, you're gonna see the burst and the athleticism, and then you know you're gonna go watch the film and realize you, you know he's just thinking too much. So. Interesting though. It's it's why you know it's why he's in mobile. It's why he got a uh, NFL combine invite, and um, you know we shall see. It's Kamoko Ture for sure. Now a uh, couple other guys, Joe. I'll go over to your thoughts on any thoughts you know on any uh, feedback that Justin had. A uh, couple other guys out here. You know, Jordan Aikens, I thought, you know, is showing flashes out there. But Rashard Penny, we haven't talked about any of the running backs. I still think he's the best running back at this event. Uh, MJ Stewart, I heard, is doing good things down there. And, and the Jacksonville State kid, Siren Neal, uh, from, you know, the small school. And then how about Cedric Wilson and my guy, uh, you know, from Boise State, showing some explosiveness. And then my guy from Maine, Jamil Demby, who is just, 
bullying guys at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. Uh, just a guy that's really put himself strongly on the radar during the all-star circuits. Uh, Joe, any thoughts on what Justin or myself had to say? Uh, Chark, I think. And Justin was talking about this guy before the season. It's like, how come everybody forgot about DJ Chark? And, you know, it, it's right because he's long, he's caught a bunch of passes, and he has, he's a runner. No doubts about that. So I think he's had a really solid week. There's no questioning his ability. Um, and I, I, he improved his stock, as did Kaiser White. Um, the, the guy you brought up, uh, Rick Akins, it, week one, it's like he was just getting his bearings. And then, or sorry, day one, he was getting his bearings. And then day two and three, he turned it on. Uh, it just was so noticeable, uh, a level up that he took his game, uh, just catching everything thrown to him. And day two and day three, I think he had one-handed catches. Uh, one was a, just a really uh, impressive touchdown that, you know, guy draped on his back, and he just flashed those ball skills that you know he's got and the hand-eye coordination from the baseball. And, you know, talking to him, it's kind of what you expect. He's going to be a 25-, 26-year-old rookie but he is a old pro when you're talking to he's real serious, um, kind of mild-mannered. He doesn't get too high, don't get too low, real even keel fella. And that, I think that's going to serve him well. And what he did this week, yeah, Aikens made himself some money, and so did Cedric Wilson. And, yeah, I have to say, I think Rashad Penny, uh, we've been bashing this theme all season. He's going to be a better pro than Pumphrey. Uh, he's just got more size. He's got a, a lot of burst and just more power, and there's no questioning his speed. I mean, when you're tied for C.J. Spiller for all-time kickoff return touchdowns at seven, uh, you got plenty of deep speed. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see where Rashad Penny goes because he strikes me as a guy that's going to be a, a much better pro than a collegiate player. Uh, there's all kinds of potential for him. But, yeah, the, the name you brought up that's making me smile is Aikens, Rick. I think uh, Jordan Aikens, I don't care how old a rookie he's going to be, if I'm a general manager, bring me a pro who's going to show up every day and continue to improve his game. Uh, definitely a plug-and-play prospect and uh... – Someone that we've talked about here on the show before. So we got about 10 minutes left to go, fellas. Uh, Joe, any guys that, you know, unfortunately, for whatever reason, hurt their draft stock this week? Well, I don't like to really bag on too many people, but Alan Lazard, uh, he made some catches, but he lumbers when he runs. He rounds off a lot of his routes. The change of direction is very suspect. And, you know, you look at those lanky receivers and you want to see some explosiveness. And on the other side of that card, you know, a receiver who's longer and taller than him, Jaleel Scott, thought was making sharper cuts, more precise turns. And Lazard, I just, uh, I see a kind of a tight end out there. And, and, you know, that a lot of people made the same mistake on the sidelines asking me, hey, Who's 85? Who's that tight end from uh, Iowa State? I'm like, that's Alan Lazard. He's a receiver, sir. Uh, It's really not gone well for him as far as some of the other receivers, I believe, here have uh, uh, leapfrogged him a little bit. And then um, I don't mean to pick apart anything, but uh, I really wanted Ian Thomas, the Indiana tight end, to have a good week here. I, I was had the highest of hopes for him, especially, you know, I love my Hoosiers. And he has a great story. He's one of nine siblings, I believe, and he lost both of his parents at age six. I mean, you pull for a kid like this from Nassau Community College, but uh, he, day one, dropped damn near everything thrown to him. Uh, he couldn't separate. He he was wearing DB coats and linebacker coats to the event. It just, uh, he couldn't shake guys. Uh, there was even routes designed like a zig to go in, uh, drastic, and then far out cut, and he couldn't even get open on those. Uh, comebacks were a problem. And But what's really alarming about Thomas is the ball skills. He just seemed to... And the days didn't get too much better. Day two was also rough. Uh, day three, he started to kind of I, just get his sea legs, so to speak. But, yeah, uh, Ian Thomas, really rough week. And I, I feel bad for him because that's a guy who needed to 
come away from this event having improved his stock, and I think I think he's done the opposite, unfortunately, which is uh, it's just tough because it's such a deep tight end group. There's no slip-ups, and that he definitely slipped up. Um, this week hurt my man Ian Thomas. Interesting because I saw people ha- listing him as the best tight end in this draft class and a potential first-round pick. Uh, Justin, we're winding down on time. Any guys that either hurt their draft stock and or final thoughts before we wrap things up? Hard to say who hurt it when I'm not there. You know, they, they don't show any of the bad stuff. I feel like, um, you know, when you're watching the broadcast views, I, I think the only guy that I could say potentially – you know, quote unquote, hurt his his stock. I, I know a lot of people have been a little disappointed with Marcus Davenport. I think they expected him to come in and be, you know, Von Miller, and that's just not who he is. He's a little more raw, and there's been talk about, you know, the top tens no longer, you know, maybe top twenty stuff like that. But you know, we as we talked about earlier, I'm not buying it. I mean, you're bet you're you're banking on his trades and upside. You're not banking on what he's going to do day one in your building. So, you know, if anything, I could say that's the potential, you know, guy that could possibly showed off that he's not ready, but whatever. Um, yeah, and other than that, man, I I really have enjoyed watching the senior bowl. This is a talent-packed senior bowl, and even some of the guys that you don't hear their names, you're like, this is still going to be a top 100 pick, like Jalen Holmes from uh, Ohio State, you know, long, big dude with traits all day. He could play inside. He, he's rushed from the three-tech. He's played the edge. I mean, just, you know, so many guys with skill sets and overall ability that are just not getting talked about. But, you know, in the NFL, these coaches are going to want to play some of these guys. They're going to want to coach up some of these dudes. So, um, other than that, yeah, I I just enjoyed watching it, man. Some of the off- offensive tackles have stood out. But uh, we'll get to that another day. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, we could have probably did a uh, three-hour show on the Senior Bowl. Michael Joseph from Dubuque, uh, D3. We haven't even talked about him yet, but uh, we are running out of time here. And with that being said, uh, final thoughts from our man on the scene, on location down in Mobile. Uh, Joe, any final thoughts here? I'll just uh, uh, if there's a player to circle back around to that we may be talking about for a while, is that Brett Toth from Army. Uh, he's got that, you know, uh, commitment to the military. So you don't know what uh, his time commitment, if he has to do another two years of service before he's even eligible. But what he's looked like out here is a prototype tackle, six foot five, uh, 33 inch arms, big hands. He just looks the part. And, you know, you, you certainly understand he can run block from that offense and those Ohio State guys, he matched up well against them. Uh, he really, uh, I think, did everything to help himself. But the real question mark around him is that commitment. Like, he doesn't even know talking to him. And also, he's a lifer in the military. He said no matter what happens in football, he's going back uh, to serve. And like he's probably going to be a, a, a high up in the service. So uh, I think that was just a neat kid. He's a math whiz. Uh, really disciplined kind of cat, so I, I I can't wait to see what happens with him. But I'm worried uh, we may have to wait a year or two uh, with the new. You know, I don't want to get into politics or anything, but things have changed in the military branch. Uh, so I hope the best for Brett Toth. But yeah, for for folks saying, oh, he's in this round, he's in that round, we may just have to wait a couple years. Yeah, there's a, a two-year military obligation from my understanding, which, you know, like you said, Joe, could hurt his draft stock, could make him go undrafted. And, you know, the Patriots are always looking into guys like that. Now, uh, that's about another edition of the NFL Draft Bible Radio Show. If you like what you heard, we're here each and every week counting you down to the 2018 NFL Draft. The all-star circuit is just about wrapped up. We've got the Senior Bowl game tomorrow. But we just broke down the Senior Bowl practice week, and uh, next week we'll hopefully get our guy Chris Shanafelt, who was on location at the East-West Shrine game. I'll have more analysis on the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. Of course, you can go to NFLDraftBible.com and get all that good stuff, along with Joe's practice reports, his uh, on-location interviews. Uh, We have interviews up there with Dion Yelder, who got the call from the NFL PA Bowl to the Senior Bowl, Kylie Fitz, Hey, New Mexico statewide receiver Jaleel Scott, we didn't even talk about him yet today. And uh, just a lot of 
you know, great videos. If you if you're into video content, we got Path to the Draft behind the scene videos with players. Of course, player spotlight shows. Um, we got podcasts just about every day here on the Block Talk Radio channel, and uh, we appreciate all the love and support. So if you're listening on Block Talk Radio, iTunes, please rate it, share it, like it. Uh, we'll have this show up on the website over at NFLDraftBible.com. I believe it's already up there on the homepage. So uh, for another edition in the books, we had our directors of college football scouting, Joe Everett, on location in Mobile, Alabama. Of course, Justin Gamble holding it down out there in Colorado. Myself, RIC, in the place to be, Rick Saratella on location at Parabolic Performance and Rehab, the largest indoor facility on the East Coast. Go Parabolic.com. Of course, follow us on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible. Till the next time, everybody, we appreciate it. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.